Welcome to episode 3 of The Drift, the Starfinder podcast, which is presented by NerdsOnEarth.com. This week, we are honored to be joined by Skid Marr of the Glass Cannon podcast, as we talk about the history of science fiction and fantasy role-playing games, and our hopes for Starfinder. Well, we are very excited today to have with us a special guest who's going to come and talk Starfinder with us. Uh, He is an actor and a writer, but you probably know him best as a cast member of the wonderful podcast, uh, The Glass Cannon. So uh, welcome to Skid. Hey, thanks, uh, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am so excited to do this. I just love the opportunity to geek out about this stuff, so. Very, very excited, very excited about Starfinder and to have this talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. So part of why we wanted you in particular to be on the show is you have such a rich history of playing role-playing games. So (laughs) I would love for you to kind of talk about how you got started in that, what draws you to it even today. Uh, I think what happened was in, it was when I was in third grade, it was, I guess my, my birthday, it was like 1979. Uh, no, not third birthday, third grade. I was in third grade. And uh, my uncle, my uncle Sinclair, uh, bought me the red box, the D&D red box. And I was like, I had no clue what it was. And I started getting into it. And it turns out some of my other friends had also recently gotten into it too. And we started playing at recess. Like they, you know, we were all bad at gym. Uh, we, were, we would all be... Uh, tired of being beaten up outside so uh they let us uh use the hallways of the school to to play our our nerd game which nobody understood and uh that's how it started and i just i didn't stop until like basically college i just kept playing until college so so you were playing then kind of at the height of uh the growth of the game the first wave really and uh, oh yeah yeah, not just uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, lots of other games. I'm sure through that time. Like, what are some of your favorite all-time role-playing games? Uh, well, I love uh, first edition AD and D, second edition AD and D. I was always, I, I, I was thinking about this when you asked me to to come on and talk to you. I was thinking about all the games that I've played, and it's it's been a lot. <laughs> uh, I was really, I got into. All the Palladium stuff, all the Palladium games. Yes. Uh, I was big into Robotech. We played a lot of Robotech. Um, we played a lot of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which is so funny to think like where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is today, like the property that it is now, and how dark and weird that game was, and how dark and weird the comic was to start off with uh, before they like sold out to the TV show or whatever. It was a it was a violent uh gritty comic and the game followed suit, you know. Yeah, it, it's clearly an example of some executive heard the title and thought we can make something with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny cuz like Raphael for one, like he was everyone's favorite back in the day as I recall because he was basically a psychopath. Like he was just right. a, he was a flat out killing machine. <laughs> And it got turned from that into a pizza. We love pizza. Like it's so strange the the evolution of that. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the video where they were on Oprah. It is uh, 
it's quite humorous. There was like a live touring show, I guess. And I have seen that. I, I watched it live. I watched, I watched it when it was on the air. <laughs> it was blowing my mind. I was so angry. I was so angry back in the day because I was so excited for that cartoon to come on. And I was like, yeah. And I, and I told my parents about it and everything. I was like, yeah, I can't wait to see what they do. And it was so horrible in my eyes. And I was so disgusted. And the movies and the vanilla ice and like, get, get out of here. I was so angry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're right. That game especially was uh, was set up in a, a much different sort of world than the comic book. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the just dealing with these twisted kind of mutant animals uh, it was just a really dark universe and, and very violent. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but that was, that was one that I loved. Uh, I really got it. I don't know if you ever played uh, beyond the supernatural it was another palladium property. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one we really got into. Yeah. And the palladium was interesting in that they kept trying to cross all the, the different parts to make them work interchangeably. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the great things about it was mechanically they all could cross over. Um you could have your your mutants Wolverine like drop into uh, the Ro- your Robotech campaign and it would it would fit right in. Um and actually that was kind of the cumul- uh, accumulation of that the was uh, Rifts. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, because that brought that did bring everything together. That was uh, and that was something, it was so funny to me too. Like I love the lore of Rifts because the premise was that there was a, uh, it was in the near future and there was a nuclear war on earth. And one of the ideas uh, established in Beyond the Supernatural is that the earth is crisscrossed by ley lines, mm. which are, and nexuses, which, which kind of, they're these uh, kind of funnels for psychic energy. And one of the one of the lore things that's established in that game too is that every sentient being has this potential psychic energy, PPE points. Yeah, yeah. Right? Remember? And when on the upon a person's death, the potential psychic energy is released and the points are doubled, like at the at the point of their death, which explains for them, like human sacrifice. This is why there were human. There was human sacrifice at these particular uh, locations, because these particular holy sites were were on leyline nexus points, and and killing a person at that point would unleash all the psychic energy that would feed into the ley lines and everything. Anyway, so because there was this nuclear war, all of these people dying at once unleashed this huge burst of psychic energy that kind of tore the fabric of reality apart. And all these uh, things, creatures from different dimensions, universes, all came to Earth. Yeah, and, and it's such a to think about the nuclear war idea to to know when that book came, you know, when that started for them was at that height, right? The height of the Cold War, at the tail end of where everyone's concerned about, and, and then to take it and make it a major plot point in your. Uh, Launching your your game universe is pretty yeah, uh, yeah. pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think it came out in '88. I think that was the first release of that. And but I just I was I admired it so much because it made total sense based on everything that they had done up to that point. Oh yeah, it made it it, it fit in so seamlessly. Um, I mean, I have I have problems with riffs too because there's a lot of goofiness in there, like. 
uh, the, the, you know, the, the continent books, it's just like, here, here's a book about Africa. Here's a book about South America. Yeah. And, and you know, in the South America book, like there's giant robots, but they all look like conquistadors <laughs> and Africa, like there's giant robots and they all look like lions. And it's, it's like, well, maybe they'd think of something else, but yeah, it probably would take it in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little goofy, but, but apart from that, I love the concepts and I love bringing like all these different, all this different stuff together. Uh, but those, those I loved, uh, my favorite game I think of all time was traveler. We've, we've talked about that. Yeah. So th- let's talk a little bit about traveler because it is, um, it's a, not a super well-known game, but it definitely sort of has some inspiration that still exists out there. So it came out, um, I think in the late seventies. Yeah. And there's a science fiction yeah. property. Right. And, um, I think that's. Uh, it's really interesting. Like I, I know on Nerds on Earth, um, our friend Clave had sort of written in that it potentially may have been part of the inspiration for Firefly. Um, Josh Whedon, who created that, spoke in some interviews about he played a game around that time frame that uh, that sort of inspired him. So, what did you love about Traveler, and like how do you see it sort of still showing up in kind of modern science fiction games? I I. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's true. I like I know he's a nerd. Like I know he's a real nerd. And I don't think there were really any other options at that point for him to be playing a science fiction role-playing game. It's definitely the first one that I know of. Yeah, we we tried to sort of think around it and and basically you kind of come down to the point of either somebody had homebrewed something completely unique or he was playing Traveler. Yeah, right. Um and even that, like a homebrew, would have been pretty hard to do too. I don't know. I I I, I have to guess it would be Traveler, but uh, yeah, I really I love the game. I can't remember a lot about the mechanics of it. I, I remember character creation being the most standout part of it, because famously, your character could die during the character creation phase. Right. Yeah. You you hear that a lot when people that play that game talks talk about, um, which. It, uh, you know, no one would do that today, right? Nobody's going to make <laughs> no. a game. And then, <laughs> Why would you spend all that time? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I and I, I know I had characters die <laughs> like during creation, but you're you're basically you're rolling on these tables, and it's all six sided dice, right? I think it was all six sided. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, so you're rolling on these tables for like phases of your career, like up to that point, and you either choose like a military track or you know, a merchant, merchant, mercantile track or whatever. But yeah, you can have these events in your life and one of them can be, oh, you die. Can you, can you imagine in Hero Lab, like that being the current, you're, you're, you're creating a character and then all of a sudden a screen pops up and goes, you didn't make it. You're done. <laughs> Start over from scratch. It's like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, so I don't remember a lot about the mechanics, but there, the two things that I really loved about, about Traveler was the setting. Yeah. I love the setting and it's still for me, it's still one of my favorite sci-fi settings. And to me, it's almost kind of like the, the default sci-fi setting. When I think of, when I daydream, I think about sci-fi, it's usually in that universe. But it's heavily based on Dune, uh, which I also love. Because there's no faster than light communication. Like communication can only travel as fast as ships can, starships can travel. Right. So there's a lot of, 
autonomy on these different planets because they're just centralized directives just can't reach them in enough time. So there, these planets and sectors are ruled by dukes and counts. You know, there's all these like this royalty, this like space royalty, which is right out of Dune. And yeah, and I loved I love the history of it. Like I love the setting and I love the variety and the potential of of it and for it. Yeah, definitely. So if you think about like um it gave, gave you the chance in that game to create worlds that uh could be vastly unique, you know, really different from one another because they um like you said the communication thing of the, there's not going to be a unifying force necessarily. You know, not that it would come quick enough to to overwhelm things. So, and I and I absolutely you're right to put on the sort of the feudal nature of it and kings and queens and dukes and rulers and uh, yeah, it definitely makes a, a fantastic setting to sort of tell some stories. Yeah, it was a it's a feudal setting and it's huge. Like the 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 known universe is is massive, and there's all these different. I you know I like the core races. The core races were cool. But I love that they say, like, there are hundreds of minor races that we're not even going to discuss. So it's like you can just make up whatever you want and it'll fit right in. Yeah, giving you that ability to kind of be freeform and um, especially in a science fiction game, I think is really important and can uh, can open up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. And I love the thought because the one of the basic premises is that there was an, a race of ancients called the Ancients who seeded different planets back around like 50,000 BC with uh, humans. So there are these these vastly different human cultures that sprung up all around like the known universe. And there are three separate human uh, empires that arose. Uh, one on Earth, uh, one on the, the Villani, I remember. Uh, it was like the first human empire and the Jodani were like evil psychics. Yeah. And uh, I just, and I love that. And I love like there was this first empire that that was kind of rotting. It's like a 5,000 year old empire when humans from earth discovered them. And by the time they made contact, this empire was on its last legs and they had, a, they had a, they went to war and the humans ended up winning even because even though this massive empire like it would, was best of them technologically and everything they were just so rotten from the core that Terrans Terran humans ended up taking it over but they had no idea what they were doing so that empire collapsed too and then there was like i think it was like a thousand years of chaos or something and then this third empire arose and it's, that's the third imperium and that's the, the that was the default setting for the game right where you kind of started in in your story yeah uh, yeah, it's such a it's such a great thing, and there are hints of it I think that show up in what we've heard from Paizo about Starfinder. So let's talk a little bit about how much have you paid attention to what they've been talking about, announcing. Um, what excites you about Starfinder? Um, and I just kind of want to hear some of your general thoughts. Well, I'm so excited about this. I haven't been this excited about anything in a long time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so psyched. Uh, mostly because I, I haven't played anything except straight fantasy uh, since before Obama was elected. Well, and there just is not a ton of stuff. Out. So there are some games out there. A lot of them are tied to intellectual property, right? They're, they're Star Wars games. There's things like that. But, man, there's not sort of a, a separate, unique thing. And so I, I think that's one of the things that's really appealing about Starfinder. 
Yeah, for for me too. And I love the fact that it's tied into the Pathfinder setting that I that we know so well. I love that it's an extension of that. Like that that feels really exciting. And I've been keeping up, I think, on most of the interviews and everything. I read the Distant Worlds Guide, which was really cool. If we've got people listening that haven't read that, it's um, it's worth checking out and sort of gives you a framework of where the game's going. Yeah, I think it's a great primer for for what's to come. Yeah, and I watched uh, a little bit of game gameplay. I watched some gameplay that they did at Paizo, and I watched uh, an example of a, a spaceship battle. Yeah. And that was very exciting. I'm so I'm so pumped for this. <laughs> well, it's so interesting to think about they um like you said, they're taking something that they have already in Pathfinder. They're they're tweaking it a little bit, it sounds like from a rules standpoint to to get to Starfinder and then doing it where you can make a, a create you know, create a character, do that, but also the um the ship part is um so different and unique to anything that they've done. It's what definitely one of the things that I kind of want to see more of how that works. Yeah, I think I got a pretty good handle on it just from why it was like an hour and a half space battle that that they show. They're doing. I, I can't remember who was doing it, but they were. It was in a hotel room somewhere with one of the Paizo reps, and it just. I I think I got a pretty good sense of it, and it looks great. It looks really really fun. Um, but I can't wait to dig into the core rulebook and just figure stuff out. But I love that the thought of making the ship like the the campaign is based around you being a ship's crew yeah and the ship being a character in the game you guys talked about that too in the in your previous podcast about the, the ship being a character is so cool to me well and such a vital part of like it, it so it solves sometimes the problem right when you play a fantasy game of there's the trope of everybody sitting in a bar and somebody walks in and says let's go on an adventure yeah like like for for Starvinder, it sort of solves that issue like right we're a crew this is what we do yeah, you know, um, we've got a ship, and I and I like the idea that probably they've talked a little bit about this. Everybody's going to have a role on the ship, you know, then that will matter in combat, which I think is a really interesting idea to think about um, the crew having to work together to solve a solve a combat problem versus. I'm, yeah, I'm so excited for that too. There was a game, I think it's just called Starship Commander or something. It's a PC game where you have like seven players each taking a role on a ship's bridge. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know that one. And that, uh, that sounds like a really interesting one to kind of work to, you know, to have that that cooperative nature of, a, of that part. Yeah, yeah. I, I We played it because the guys and I went to PAX East in 2013, I think, and they, they, was, they were showing it off there. And I jumped into a game and I, I think I was the engineer or something. Okay. I think it didn't work that great because it was with strangers. I think it would work a lot better if you had people you knew. Yeah, but definitely. Somebody ended up just taking over everything and you know whatever. But the idea was so was so cool. Like you have your station, and everyone had their duties, and they all kind of fit together, ideally to you know make make uh, make the dream happen. And uh, and it it was fun. It was really fun. So that that kind of thing, like I can see how it could work really well, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the parts of the game that I'm most intrigued about and kind of want to get my hands on the rules to see see how it all it'll all play together. So what do you think about the idea of how they've um they've set it in the world or the universe of Galarian, but have uh been careful to give themselves some uh some space to do some other things? 
I think it's pretty brilliant, this, the central idea of Galarian being gone. Yep. Having vanished and no one knows why. And that not only it gives everyone in their home campaigns the ability to say, well, what we did mattered, it happened, but those records have vanished. Yeah. That's one cool thing. And then it's, and it's a great, it's a, you know, that like if it kind of will, like you talked about too, it's like it fills kind of the same, gives you the opportunity to have something like the Pathfinder Society is in, in the core game. These organizations that are dedicated to finding out what happened and seeking out this lore artifacts, whatever, at, you know, different that, that there's these kind of overlapping records in different parts of the galaxy that had no more than more no that more no no more than others. Yeah, I, I think that's a really smart dynamic from them and storytelling standpoint, right? Because you can see they could build adventure paths that give you bits and pieces, you know, over time, and you can you can connect them all. I, I I'm really curious to see, um, ultimately, if they do know how they want to sell the idea of what happened. Or if they want to just leave it a mystery, right? It's kind of like the death of Aridon. Yeah. In the core game, it's like, oh, the god, the god of humanity is gone and no one knows what happened. And they still haven't really like said, like, are they ever gonna say where he went? Like what happened? That's like the that to, that to me is the core mystery of of the Galarian setting. And this is the same thing. It's the same thing. So instead of a god, it's like a whole planet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that certain parts of the universe know more than others. I think that's really smart. And um, and the idea that certain parts would care more than others. You know, there, there are yeah. going to be people that definitely want an answer. And then there are going to be people that just don't care. Like, yeah, the world is, you know, the universe is what it is. So let's play. Yes, exactly. And I'm excited to, I think it's a good idea that they said there's still there are still dwarves, there are still elves, halflings, but we're not focusing on them. We have a new slate of playable races. This is what we're focusing on. So you can run into a dwarf and elf, but presumably most of them disappeared with the disappearance of the planet. Right, yeah. Which you know gives you the ability if you're if you're one of the players that really loves one one race and locks in on it, you can do that, but also gives you the chance to to try something new. So I assume you've looked and seen some of the, the new races. Any any really intrigue you? Yeah, I was. What's the one? Is it the, what's the four-armed one? Yeah, I think it's a Kashanta. Lashanta? Yeah, yeah Lashanta, I think so. Lashanta. That, that seemed pretty neat to me because I like the John Carter of Mars, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very definitely inspired by that. So that that kind of struck a nerve for me. Well, and to think about how that could work in combat also made me really interesting and in, in to see the characters like that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, who are the big lizard guys? Yeah, I think they're called the Vex. Those two, because I when I played 4E, uh, shamefully and shortly, briefly, <laughs> uh, was the, I loved playing Dragonborn. And yeah. so this seems like another, and there's nothing really like that in Pathfinder, so I'm really excited about that. I think I might would do something like that yeah no definitely those are uh, i think two races that definitely caught you know made me go ah that that may be my first uh first character have you looked at all of the classes and kind of seen some of the options there 
Yeah, I the there's the the envoy seems cool. I mean, they all they all have kind of analogs to core classes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the envoy seems. I'm trying to think what the they all were. Well, it's like the soldier envoy. There's the mechanic guy with the drone. Right. Yeah. It kind of uh, becomes a the mix of sort of mechanical and magical. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they seem cool. I just, I, I really just want to get my hands on the core rule book to really look at them mechanically and see what they do. Yeah. I'm really interested. Uh, they, they've sort of not been secretive. You know, they do PaizoCon uh, at the end of May and, um, I, my gut says they're going to be playing a lot of that with people for the first time. I'm sure. Um, are you going, are you, are you going to go to PaizoCon? No, I, we keep trying to figure out, but I just don't think it's going to be able to work. But, uh, uh, but I have heard from them that they're, they're not going to be, um, if people tape things and put it up on YouTube, that sort of thing, they will be, uh, Paizo will not have any problems with that. So, oh, all right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So I think we will get to see more and, uh, see, see kind of what happens before, uh, you know, then there'll be a little bit of gap and the game will come out in August. So that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are going to Gen Con, so I'm real psyched to be there for that because I guess the actual official release will be there. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think it's going to be um, – it's really interesting watching Paizo. Even this week, um, more stuff showed up on Amazon, right? If if you're selling things, it's got to show up on Amazon. And um, I it's really impressive to me the amount of uh, support they're doing for the game from the very get-go. Uh, you kind of see the first wave of stuff, but also now you're starting to see the second wave where uh, the Alien Archive will come out, you know, in October and the second part of the Adventure Path and all those things. I am, uh, I'm really hopeful. I know, and um, so I live in Atlanta. I know around here there's a lot of chatter among the uh, role playing game community about uh, about it, and you know, people kind of ready to take it on and give it a try. Yeah, yeah, and it, you're right. I mean, that they they really do seem to be doing a full court press on it. And that's something Paizo has always been great about is having a, just a release schedule and just always putting stuff out like and on time. Like they have just this material just consistently gets churned out and it's high quality, you know? Yeah. I mean, on a regular basis, steady, you know, the fact they even, uh, you know, you can have the subscription with them directly where basically they send you everything new they put out is a, it's a pretty good testimony to, to their system and how well they work it. Yeah. So yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get our hands on it. I'm we're, we're hopeful that we'll get a pre-release copy sometime before Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, they certainly, you guys, uh, especially with uh, as many people as you've pointed towards Pathfinder over the last couple of years, I, I would campaign for you guys getting a, a peek at it. Oh, thank you. And they've been cool to us. They've most of the stuff that they put out, we end up getting advanced copies of so far. So we're hopeful that uh, that's really awesome to hear. So I obviously people are going to want to know the question that I'm about to ask you, which is, uh, so are there plans for the glass cannon crew to uh, to play Starfinder in a way that we would be able to listen in or watch? Uh, I would love to do that. I would love to run it. Uh, I really want to run a Starfinder campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I have a couple ideas. I mean, we might just end up running the the first adventure path, which sounds awesome. Yeah, but I have a couple other ideas too. But we hope to be able to do it. We have uh, we have our Patreon goal is uh, our uh, ten thousand dollar level that we would do a second show, and 
as of now, that would be my preference would be to do a Starfinder show. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, a great idea. And um, obviously, I think people should uh, support you guys regardless, but that would be a good reason to jump on board to uh, to get to see and, uh, and, and see you guys sort of play that. So you mentioned you're really interested in it, especially as a, uh, as a game master. I, I think one of the things that is intriguing about sort of the world they're building is the ability to tell different kinds of stories. So obviously they're going to have a, an adventure path, but early on, you know, I think people are going to need to create some content. What kind of stories do you think you might homebrew for a, for a game? Well, that's one of the things that they've talked about and you guys talked about is that the setting and everything allows for pretty much any kind of sci-fi that you want to tell. Yep. You know, if you want to do space opera, like something light and breezy or like space horror, like Event Horizon or, or Alien or anything like that, there's room for all of that. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what the first AP, w- what kind of tone it sets because I think there'll be kind of a there'll be kind of a, a consensus tone, I think, right. to the official stuff. So we'll see, we'll see what that's like. But I actually had the idea, and I don't know this would be so much work. But uh, there's this band called The Sword out of Austin. Are you a heavy metal fan at all? No, I'll, I'll check that out though. So out okay. of Austin. Yeah, The Sword. They have an album, a concept album called Warp Riders. that came out a few years ago. And it's a science fiction concept album. And so all the songs are basically telling this story. And I would love to do a huge adventure based on that album. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, it's, and I have the hook and everything. It's like I, I figured it out. Uh, it, would take, it would take months of work <laughs> for me to do it, but I'm so excited. I might I just have to force myself to sit down and get started on it. But. Yeah, to, to jump into it. No, I, I sort of have started working on ideas for like a Halloween-ish uh, kind of one-off that would be set in Starfinder that I think uh, we'll see if it, it comes together. So like a horror, a horror type thing? Yeah, definitely. Like a, a horror monster story kind of uh, set in uh, that setting. So we'll see how it comes together. That's great. Uh, and I think actually, because you guys, you were talking about uh, Firefly is, seems like a great model. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think that idea, um, so, you know, Josh Whedon sets his shows up in a certain way and that there's an overarching theme and then adventures along the way. I mean, gosh, if you're a role-playing person, that, that just fits. It makes sense to you, you know? And so uh, the idea of sort of a crew that takes jobs is... um would just really let you kind of do all kinds of things. And I, I think that will be for a lot of people as they're homebrewing, I would bet that's the majority of the stories you will get early on. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people will be really heavily inspired by Firefly and also by Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, you're right. Another one that will, will be on everybody's imagination early on, um, sort of a, that cosmic Marvel kind of space opera out there. Uh, definitely will be another uh, another good one. Well, so what uh, as as you think about um, role playing games, kind of come back to the beginning of our conversation. You said you stopped in college. What draw what drew you back, and kind of why do you why do you think role playing games are important, and that you're a part of them now? Uh, I came back. I I don't know. I took like a seven year break after college. I just I didn't really know anyone that was playing, and I thought. For a minute that I was too cool to be doing it, which was absolutely not true. 
Uh, and um, I got, I, you know, I went to college, I, I lived in Japan for a little bit, and then I came back to the States and I went back to Denver and I got involved in this theater community out there. And I started playing with some of the people in my cast, the show I was doing, they were big, like old school, like D&D players. So we decided, hey, let's get a, let's get a game back. Let's get a game together. Ah, it's been so long. Yeah, we'll do it. And it was so fun. We just had the best time. Uh, my friend Del Dominic, who's actually coming out to visit, I think he's going to sit on one of our recordings, hopefully. Uh, oh, awesome. Uh, but he, like, he's an old school, like, he, he got to meet, he's an old tournament DM from the old uh, conventions that they used to have. And he, he knew, he met Dave Arneson, he met Guy Gax, he met all those guys. Uh, and he actually, he showed me, he has this uh, old original player's handbook with all those guys' autographs in it, which is so cool. Oh, that is awesome, yeah. And he's just this, he's just really bright and great sense of, G, he's just a great GM. So, uh, yeah, so we played for a while and then I came out to New York and I really didn't know anybody. And my roommate was, uh, one of my, my second roommate was a game designer and he still is. Oh, cool. Uh, Jay Stratton. Uh, it was uh, Harlequin Games is his game company now. Um, but he used to make these just kind of one-off game systems. Like he'd create a whole game system from scratch, whole new setting, whole new rule set. And we'd play. And we'd play for you know a session or five, like however long the concept played out. And so I started playing with those guys. And it was fun, but I just, I never got as into it. Just I just not, didn't have the chemistry with that group that I would end up getting later. Yeah. And then I ended up meeting uh, Troy and Joe and uh, and we, we started playing together. And this is like, this is fun again. This is how it felt when I was a kid. Well, and you guys have such a great chemistry. I think that's one of the things that shines forth on the show is that uh, you guys enjoy doing it. You know, you, you love playing together and, you know, it has the competitiveness. It has, um, you know, some of the things that stand out in other games, but is uniquely different too. Yeah, so you have all that stuff that's been socially acceptable for thousands of years, but at the end of it, you also have this awesome story, and you have these cool these cool characters that you guys created, and those are memories that will last forever. And it's just it's so much cooler, I think, than all all that other stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. It's so uh, so much fun. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for being on the podcast. As we uh, as we close, one of the things we like to do is ask, um, hey, other than uh, Pathfinder, Starfinder, what's something that you're nerding out on right now? Uh, I think your your guest last time mentioned uh, the Expanse. Yeah, definitely. Rob uh, mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, and you're into that too, right? Are you are you into that too? Yeah, no. I, I after especially I'd watched some, and after he recommended it, I've kind of been uh, plowing through it for sure. It's really good. Yeah, I uh, especially. Um, they sort of, you can tell in season one, they catch their legs about halfway through. Exactly. From there, it's really going well. Yeah. And second season is so much better than the first season. And I love I love the first season, but like the second season is even better. Yep, definitely. So, uh, And talk about a, a spaceship being a character. That's a great example, too. The Rosinante is, is, is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that, and then <laughs> I'm living in uh, Grant, my co-host's basement right now. <laughs> We're we're, yeah. we're we've we're watching uh, Attack on Titan. We're totally geeking out on oh, that, cool. and uh, we just finished One Punch Man. 
uh, another anime. Have you watched that? I haven't yet. I've heard some talk about it. So yeah, I've been listening to it. I heard about it for a while, and it's like, ah, oh, that looks really goofy, and I don't get it. And we watched it, and it is one of the best things I've seen in a long time, and it's so fun and great. Well, very cool. So let's we'll check that out. One Punch Man. Yes, definitely. Well, cool. Well, Skid, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking uh, about Starfinder and just role playing games in general. Um, we really appreciate uh, all the support you guys at Glass Cannon have shown us as we kind of are launching our thing. And um, we're really uh, huge fans of what you guys do. Uh, I work in an office gig and people think I have a conference call on Tuesday mornings because <laughs> I put my headphones in <laughs> and uh, listen to your show. So oh, that's great. It's, uh, it's definitely something that I've enjoyed and uh, I'm really grateful for. Well, that's that. And we really appreciate you, you guys continuing your support of us too. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that you guys are doing this and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Skin. You've been listening to The Drift, a Starfinder podcast presented by Nerds on Earth. Our theme music is a product of our amazing audio engineer, Andrew Danielson. You can learn more about his work at danielsonsound.com. Thanks again to Skid Marr for joining us. You can learn more about Skid's amazing Pathfinder role-playing podcast, the Glass Cannon Podcast, at patreon.com slash glasscannon. You can follow us on Twitter at outinthedrift, and you can email us at thedrift at nerdsonearth.com. Next time, we will look at some of the news coming out of PaizoCon and what we have learned about combat so far. 